Welcome, YouTube creators, to the Tube Labs podcast, because you can't experiment enough or talk too much YouTube. Welcome. It is great to have you here. My name is Rosh, and I am the host of the Tube Labs podcast. And this week is a solo show, but I've got to tell you, last week was a lot of fun with Jeff Eatley. And even before that, we had Arthur Guy two weeks before Jeff. Every other week I have a guest and those weeks we were focusing on creators who have just passed the 1000 mark or are just about to hit the 1000 mark when it comes to Jeff Eatley. You know, sometimes it's good to really have a conversation where you are versus folks who've been there, but it was a long time ago. And sometimes you forget those little daily things that you need to focus on in a different way. It doesn't mean you forget the best practices, but there are other ways you may approach a channel when it's at the thousand subscriber mark versus the 50,000, 100,000, or even 1 million subscriber mark. You you do approach your channel differently. So I thought it was good to have those conversations. I truly enjoyed them. And I got little nuggets out of those things. They're trying different things that work. Some things work, some don't. We're always experimenting. That's why this is the Tube Labs podcast. And speaking of that, next week's show is going to be a lot of fun because we are going to have our very first guest back on the show, and that is Nico Kaminsky. He is the founder and creator of Morning Fame, and he has some new reports in Morning Fame as it relates to suggested videos. It makes it a lot easier to understand the flow to your various videos. And it's it's some information that you can certainly get within YouTube analytics, but this visual approach makes understanding the patterns and how you can get more of your videos suggested. So I'm looking forward to sharing that podcast with you because as always, Nico is full of great information. This week, I want to explore what you may not need in your videos. And that may be included in the process of uploading your videos. Uh, I have a few ideas that I want to explore with you to help us create better videos. First, I want to talk about taking things out of your videos to help make them a better video. Now, there are some things that you may take out that you really shouldn't, and we'll explore that in a moment too. But tightening up your videos taking out the ums and the ahs and those long pauses, that can be very helpful to tighten up and make your video better. And that happens while you're editing your videos. And a lot of times, especially in YouTube world, we use what are referred to as jump cuts, meaning we just cut and we go to the next scene or the next statement even though it's obvious that there was a cut, there was no transition between different clips. So sometimes it's okay to take out the transitions, but if you do use transitions, don't use too many transitions. And a transition just makes one scene or one clip flow into the other, maybe through a dissolve or something like that. 
But if you have too many types of transitions, it generally doesn't flow or look professional. And we do want to look professional, but we also want to be real. So I'm going to get into that in a moment. But I think it's important to consider what is your style and what is the transition you're going to use, or is it better for you to take out the transition and use the jump cut to keep people's minds jiggling or whatever every time you have that move? It's kind of like when you maybe crop in a little bit or use a different camera angle, it kind of wakes up the mind. So if somebody is kind of drifting a little bit, it kind of moves their mind a little to keep watching, keep them fresh. And the reason for that is it can help to, to increase the retention. People are willing to watch a little bit longer. But just like anything, you can overdo stuff. And I have noticed in situations, sometimes if you overdo, and you certainly can overdo jump cuts, I've seen some people overdo jump Cuts like every other word, cuts, 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 cuts. It, it's, it was horrible. And I just clicked off because they couldn't go through a full paragraph or sentence without a long pause, something like that. So if you feel like you need to practice a little bit, at least get the sentences out before you do a cut to the next sentence, I think that's a good idea. But there is some value to using jump cuts. But if you do use transitions, keep them to one style for the most part. And maybe there's a different style for emphasis, but for the most part, you have one style and go from there. One of the reasons people use the jump cuts is to, one, as I said, jiggle the brain a little bit, but also to cut out those long pauses, those ums or those odd moments. But here's the thing. If you want people to connect with you, sometimes you don't want to take those things out. You have to make some decisions. Sometimes if you have a flub of some sort and it's just a small one, maybe leave it in there. Or if you drop something, leave it in there because that can add a little authenticity to who you are, that you're a real person, someone that people can connect with. But you also want to balance that. And for most of the time, you want to take a lot of that stuff out and be very strategic as to which of the things you actually leave in to, again, make yourself maybe a little more connectable, uh, more human, and someone that they feel like, hey, I like this person because they're real. One thing I recommend that you take out is repetitive content, especially if you're a how-to educational channel. Get to the point, share the information that you have, make it concise, and if you want to expand a little bit more in the video that maybe the people who are looking for that solution may be interested in, that's, that's fine. But sometimes people will repeat the same information over and over again, just a little bit different way, and they don't realize that they're doing it. And one way to clean up your videos and tighten up your videos is to actually take out some of that information. Because if it's explained in another way already in that video, you know, you can take it out and it will feel more concise. So listen to what you're saying and try to pay attention to the stuff that's repeated over and over again. And once you identify those clips, try listening to it without that clip. Just delete it, 
listen to that section of your video and, and see if you feel it's a much better presentation with or without that clip. One thing you should certainly consider adding to your videos for interest's sake is B-roll. Now, B-roll is generally imagery video that is not part of the main scene. So to keep it simple, let's say you're a talking head video. I do a lot of talking head videos. But if I'm talking about a specific subject, I can cut to an example of what I'm talking about. It's imagery, video that is shot somewhere else or maybe at a different time. You can also have a multi-camera setup and maybe you can consider at some level that B-roll detail shots of the scene that you are in. And that could be your B-roll. In other words, you're trying to keep people's interest while you're talking. And when you cut, as we're talking about the jump cuts, we're jiggling the brain. And if we can jiggle the brain more with something interesting, such as an example of what you're talking about, that can be very helpful. Now, sometimes it's just a pretty scene. Maybe as a transition, before you get into the next topic and you're just finishing up what you're talking about, sometimes people will, you know, create a, have a time lapse that they're uh, just keeping the attention of the viewers. It just depends, especially vloggers can get away with this very easily rather than the camera just on them. They can go to some B-roll of a time lapse or something very beautiful around where they are related to the topic of the day, whatever it may be. And that can keep the interest of the viewer. This next topic, as it relates to what you should put in or take out of your videos, is something that's going to require you experimenting. Experimenting with calls to action. A call to action is telling somebody to do something, such as subscribe, smash that like button, whatever it may be, you have to experiment to see if that is valuable to your audience. In some cases, and, I, and I've talked to many creators who've said, yeah, you have to tell people immediately to subscribe because they won't otherwise. And then some audiences will say, yeah, but I haven't really seen your video very much or any of your videos before. I, I don't know if I should subscribe and I'm actually turned off. Well, you know what? Sometimes that is a vocal minority when that comes when it comes to those situations. Quite often, a good call to action is the right answer, but not always. And that's where experimenting really is going to help you out. Test and see if you should have a good call to action. If you should ask people to subscribe, maybe asking people to subscribe at the end is better because these are people who've watched all the way through your video and then hit subscribe because you ask them to because they see the value in what you're doing. And maybe people who subscribe in the beginning, maybe subscribe and leave. Maybe these are people who don't even watch your whole video and may never come back, which means a smaller percentage of the people who subscribe are actually going to come back and watch more of your videos. And as we know, those folks aren't, they're not an important part of the growth of your channel. 
you need people who come to your channel when you upload a video and they watch it all the way through. And not only that, they wanna watch the next video that you suggest. So when it comes to calls to action, I mean, there's been a lot of conversation. And I think one of the best calls to action today in the world of YouTube is to ask people to watch the next video and then offer up a video for them to watch very specifically. So you're trying to sell them on saying, hey, if you like this video, you're really gonna like this other video, here's why, go check it out. That's probably the call to action that you wanna keep in your videos. But again, you need to test it because in some situations, maybe asking people to subscribe halfway through at the beginning or at the end along with another call to action. But generally, I, I truly recommend that you have one call to action at a time and put some room between those calls to action. So if you have a subscribe call to action, well then give it some room before you ask for something else. Something else you may wanna consider taking out of your videos are the poor visuals and especially the poor audio. I've scrapped entire videos, although it looked great, the audio was not very good. Something happened. Now I have some videos in which I tried to fix it, and if it's just a brief moment, you might get away with it. But if it's a big section of your video, people will not stay. People will not stay on the video if there is poor audio. It's often said the most important part of video is audio. And, I, and I've seen this play out many times in video. So take time to try to improve and tweak your audio. So improve your audio. And if you have bad audio, maybe if, if it's possible, maybe you can create some sort of situation where you're replacing the audio, if it's not a person talking, with some sort of music or something else. I mean, there, there are different ways to go about it. It doesn't always work, especially if you're trying to explain something and then something happens that takes away from your explanation. But it's a little bit easier when you have a bad video situation. When you have a bad video situation, but the audio is still going and is just fine, maybe something happened and you had a weird expression and you reacted in some way or something, who knows? There, there's so many things that could happen while filming uh, your video that you could cut to what we just talked about a few moments ago, and that is B-roll and have B-roll that you can cut to that's related to what you're talking about without interrupting the flow of that explanation. Maybe you're a vlogger and you're walking and you tripped for a moment and you're talking. Well, if you held your composure at some level, you could probably cut to some B-roll for a moment and then come back to you. There are a number of ways to approach it. You want to be able to have some solutions ready to go and make sure you're covering yourself when you're recording. There's one thing for sure. You can never have too much B-roll and you can never have too many takes. Well, maybe you can have too many takes, but I recommend you have a few options when trying to put your video together. I, 
I usually have three or four or five takes of everything I say in my video because I know one of the takes is going to be best. And even in this podcast, I will stop and start throughout the podcast if I realize that I really flubbed something up. I mean, sometimes I flub and I continue on. But if I really flubbed up what I was trying to say to you and feel like it totally distracts from what I'm trying to say and get across to you, I will then just re-record it. So giving you some opportunities, more opportunities down the road for your video. In other words, you don't want to wish, oh, I wish I had taken one more opportunity to get a little more B-roll of that scene or at least gone through this topic one more time. So always err on the side of caution so you have more to work with when creating your videos. The next topic is text. Should you put it in your video? Should you take some of that out of your video? It's a good question. And when it comes to YouTube, there's some important things to know. We want people to get engaged with our videos. And if people actually scroll back a little bit on our video and rewatch something because they didn't see or couldn't read what was there, that can be good and bad. And I will often recommend that you do use text. So yeah, put text in your videos, even have graphs in your videos if it's appropriate for the type of video that you have. But even a, even a vlogger can have text in the video, but you don't want too much text. Keep it very simple, like one word or maybe two words and make it easy for people to understand quickly as it flows through your video. However, if part of your goal is to get that engagement, and this is especially true, and this is really a departure from general video. This is very YouTube specific, as I was just mentioning, because people who look back at maybe a graph and wanna go back and pause and go back a few more times to see what is there, see the list of five things. You actually put the list out there for them to read. They may pause or replay that section a couple times. That's a positive thing when it comes to YouTube looking at your video as this is a video people are actually engaging with. They like, there's something right here. And you'll see this in your analytics, little bumps in your graph. That means people are going back and re-looking at what it is you put there. So you should take a moment and see what is that thing. And sometimes it's obvious, sometimes it's not. You'd be surprised at what people will go back and look at multiple times. One thing that I will do is put in a graph and understand that it's probably a graph that takes at least five, six, seven seconds to really look at, but I'll only leave it up for five seconds. In other words, it's going to force people who are actually interested in that to go back and look at, look at it again. And it's, it works. And I see it happen every time I do that. And if I give people enough time to see that graphic or those words, or that chart, if I leave it up long enough, then people will not engage that way and not go back, which is not a signal. Now, they may be going further into the video, which is positive, 
And I don't think I do that every single time, but if it's a key important element, I will do that on purpose. So people do have to go back and read. If it's something that takes three seconds to read, I'll leave it up there for two seconds. But I won't do that too much because I also don't want to keep frustrating people at the level that they just leave or decide that they never want to come back. That's why you have to experiment. That's why everything that you hear from people who create videos, who give you recommendations about creating good YouTube videos, you have to test and you have to experiment because ultimately it has to be the type of video that your audience wants to see. In some cases, it's more important to be professional. In some cases, it's more important to have maybe a little shake in the camera and a vlogging style or a more authentic real world style. Again, it all depends on the audience and the types of videos you're trying to create. As someone with a degree in photography, one thing I think you need to take out is all the extra room around your subject. I believe in a good, solid, full frame. Now, there are times where wide angle is good, opening the scene. And actually, this is something I taught a lot in photojournalism. I would say oh, the overall shot sets the scene. The medium shot tells the story. And that's where maybe it's a person or two talking to the camera, full frame, and then close-up adds drama. And I think this applies in the video world too. And that close-up could be back again to B-roll. But when you're creating a video, and a lot of times people create talking head videos to explain something, they have a ton of room around them. You're not allowing people to really connect with you because they can hardly see your eyes, they can hardly see you. And that's where, of course, lighting gets involved, too. A lot of times people have poor lighting, and so people don't see them very well. People can't connect with you, and so that's important to have. But in this situation, it's about taking out all of that extra space around the subject. The next thing isn't necessarily directly in your video. That's using a script or not. Should you use a script or should you just wing it? Again, back to the whole idea, it depends on the type of video. If you're doing an explainer video, if you're doing something in which you're educating people, some people are more comfortable with a script. But I, for me personally, I have a rough time with a script. I fumble over everything. I, I tend to like to free flow with stuff that I'm sharing. But you also have to make sure you stay on task because if you don't stay on task, you're going to end up with a whole bunch of rambling stuff that you'll have to take out of the video later if you're going to make it a concise video. So using a bullet point list, I think, is one of the best ways to go about it. Now, you could do the same thing if, say, you're a vlogger. You could have a list of different scenes and maybe even the first words you're going to use and then go from there. It just depends. I mean, it depends on the types of blog. Some, some, some vloggers are more structured in terms of the stories that they create through the day while others just kind of go with the flow. And so if that's your case, you don't have to worry about the script so much. But if you are a vlogger and you wanna stay on task and make sure your story has a beginning, 
middle and end, and there's a good conclusion, and it's maybe even something that will kind of just stop and suggest that, hey, you want to watch the next video. That, that needs to be planned. And I do that with my videos. I decide from a bullet point, I go through the process, I know what I want to talk about, I have my own systems of storytelling, I'm refining it and improving it. And over time, I've decided also that I'd like to put in there what is the end video for this video. In other words, what video, going back to the calls to action, am I going to pitch? And I may pitch it a little bit during the middle of the video, but definitely at the very end of the video. But if I don't put that there, I'll forget about it. So having bullet points of important points is really helpful so you don't forget the important information. It helps to make sure that you have the beginning, middle, and end. You have all of the elements of the explainer video or the educational video. You can have, and I recommend that you create a preset format for your videos. It doesn't mean you can't go off script. It doesn't mean if something highly creative comes to you that you can't try that and try putting it in your video to see how your audience reacts. But if you have a foundation to work from, it's one, a lot easier to create the videos and it'll help make sure that you stick with the structures that work over and over again, especially the process of telling a story. And you want to be sure that you are telling a story well. And there are elements that you need to remember. And you do re need to remember your calls to action. Again, you don't want to forget stuff that you're going to wish that you had when you're back in the editing room, when you're back on your computer going through everything, editing, and then you wish, oh, I had more B-roll. Oh, I wish I had had that call to action. Oh, I wish that I had told this important part of the story. So outlining it all, planning ahead. One of the best things you can do before you create a video is plan ahead. If you create a process out of creating your videos, you're then able to put in more regularly the things that work and take out the things that don't seem to work based on what your analytics are saying to you. And you continue to refine and refine your process. I hope you found this podcast valuable as it relates to what you should put in or take out of your videos to make them better videos. As we always say, we're looking to improve the retention and people watching our videos longer and even going to the next video. For those of you who have not done so yet, and you know what, this is a growing podcast. Every week just keeps getting bigger and I'm so thrilled. But where we are lacking are reviews. Now we have a couple reviews over on Apple Podcasts. One's a five-star review. That is awesome. But the other one is a two-star review. That's okay. There's nothing wrong with the two-star review if you don't think this is a helpful podcast. The issue is there's no review. There are only stars. And without a review, I don't know what to fix or what is right or going wrong. So I recommend and I, and I request that head on over to Apple Podcasts and share what it is you like 
or hey, in some cases, don't like about the podcast so I can make it a better podcast to support you, to help you grow your YouTube channel. And yes, I keep mentioning Apple Podcasts, once Apple iTunes. However, you can review wherever you listen to this podcast. So if you listen to Stitcher, wherever it may be, go to the sections that allow you to review the podcast. And as always, please share this podcast in the Facebook groups that you're involved with, the communities that you're involved with, in which other people are interested in growing their YouTube channel. And again, I'm so excited to help us do exactly that next week with suggested videos is our friend, Nico Kaminsky. We'll talk to you next week. The Tube Labs podcast is hosted at thetubelog.com. If you find the Tube Labs podcast valuable, don't forget to rate and review it. You may connect with Rosh on Twitter at Rosh Sillers.